So here we are back with part two of this, you know, undercover going into the uh, the Vaccine Congress event uh, here with Dr. Madhavasetti. Uh, the first part is already out there. You can check it out. This is uh, going to sort of expand on what happened in the second day. A lot of really, really compelling stuff here. So stay tuned. Madhava, what's the what's the first thing you want to tell us about the second day here? Well, this is, you know, it was a four-day conference, and uh, I spoke to your audience after the first three days, and okay. I'd like to, what I'd like to do now is sort of wrap the whole thing up and uh, hit the points that we may have missed um, right after I walked out of the, the conference room on uh, Wednesday, um, because I think a lot of interesting things have happened, uh, and we can summarize them right now if you're interested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first is, uh, during the opening statements, um, it was opened up by uh, Gregory Poland, who is a physician, and he is the head of vaccine research at the Mayo Clinic. We talked about him last time. And um, what's interesting about his story is that he suffered tinnitus, which is a debilitating condition where you have ringing in your ears constantly. And it began after he got injected with an mRNA vaccine. Um, and I was able to talk to him personally at the end of the conference just to see how he was doing. You know, did he get better? What's going on? And he said, um, no, it's, it hasn't gotten better at all. It has not relented. It's, uh, it's a pain. You know, it's annoying, especially in a, in a car with the windows open, and it's, it's constant. And he was, you know, in not knowing this at the beginning um, of the conference, he was the one that's saying, you know, these are the greatest uh, products ever made. And um, uh, so that was, I think, uh, for me at least, nonsensical, uh, you know, without any, you know, mitigating language about less, there there are side effects. Let's remember that, you know, that could be the reason why people aren't getting them. This was also the time in the very first um, hour, the plenary session, where they talk about um, what their plans are and what the, what the challenges are. And the challenges from the very beginning are saying we need to deal with vaccine hesitancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the theme for half of the, the conference. And I'm going to talk about that later with some of the other interactions I've had. Uh, but uh, on stage with him on that, in that first uh, hour was Peter Marks, who was the head of CBER, the, um, the Center for Biologics um, Evaluation uh, Research at the FDA. He's a big person in uh, the, the regulatory uh, sphere, uh, sits on the VRB pack of the FDA, and he made it very clear that uh, COVID shots are going to be an annual thing, maybe biannual, but probably annual, meaning you know once a year. And they want to be able to uh, identify the strains that they want to protect us against, and then within 100 days, start deploying a vaccine. That was the, the goal. That is their goal. And he was up on stage with a bunch of people in the industry, and uh, there was sort of a nodding of heads when he said, but we need to have manufacturing capacity ready to go. And the other folks were like, yep, yeah, we're, we're behind you, Peter, you know. Yeah. So they made it very clear, like, you know, where this is going and uh, what we should be expecting. And and he was also very clear that uh, preventing in- infections um, is an unattainable goal. There's never going to be a sterilizing vaccine, as far as you could tell. Yeah. Maybe, you know, long time in the future, but that's not one of his goals. Right. And interestingly, Interesting, right? I mean, that, that yeah. anecdote is actually um, supported by uh, the recent Pfizer, like, uh, I think it was the fourth quarter earnings 
um, presentation that they made in, in 2022. And, and there's a slide here. You can actually, uh, the viewers will be able to see this, but they're, they're talking about also having like a COVID flu combo, combo vaccine. And they're talking about, you know, this rise of, of, um, you know, uptake and, and the rise in profits Like you can, you can see that they are planning for, you know, having this to be yearly messaging. And, and, you know, even their plans are, they think that, that the uptake of these vaccines, for example, in 2026 is going to be greater than, you know, COVID was alone in, in 2022, meaning mm-hmm. they, they have plans that it's in their plan for sure that, uh, that they want to get this out as much as possible. So, um, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, that's what they want to do. So from there, I went to the very first roundtable, which was very interesting to me, which was about um, how to, you know, one of many roundtables about how to uh, get rid of uh, misinformation mm-hmm. um, and uh, misinformation spreaders. And it was attended by um, maybe about 35 people. And, you know, I was just chomping at the bit saying, okay, this is where we're going to talk about what the real issue is. You know, how do we engage our side in these kinds of discussions. And that's exactly what I brought up. As I mentioned uh, a couple of days ago in the previous video, I was like, look, you failed. You know, you're not, you're, you're not going to convert the people who still are vaccine hesitant because you're not answering their questions. Um, why not bring on an expert from our side, not the layperson uh, uh, off the street who has a friend who has a nurse who saw a vaccine injury and Therefore, they're not getting vaccinated. You know, the straw man argument that they go to. It's like, oh, well, you know, you know where did you go to medical school? Have you, mm-hmm. you know, like that's how they dismiss us rather than saying, oh, you know, um, Peter McCullough, tell us what you found out about myocarditis. Yeah. Never want, never want to do that. And I'm saying this is the time to do it. You've got everybody else vaccinated with your, um, with your little trinkets that you've offered. Um, bring on the people. And immediately – the a very interesting person in this conference, uh, Katie Atwell, who is a researcher, professor from Western Australia, like stood up and said, you know, unequivocally, no, that is going to be a mistake. It is going to be an uh, absolute mistake because that's going to uh, empower them. So we hit this before, but what's new here is what we didn't bring up uh, the last time I spoke to you, Joe, was there's another guy there who was basically the authority about this. And um, I don't remember his name, but I shared with you a poster that was it. Christopher uh, Graves, by any chance? Yes, Christopher Graves. That's it. Yeah. You know, really friendly guy, gregarious, um, and he offered his explanation. It's like, oh, this is a this is a, a, a pathology of behavior. Behavior. That's the reason yeah. why people don't want to get uh, vaccinated is that they have some sort of deficiencies and we have to understand their problems uh, and their issues a little bit better. And yeah. he conducted a, a, a lot of research into this, sampling like 3,000 vaccine-hesitant uh, adults, asking them a ver- variety of questions about why they didn't want to get vaccinated uh, and other questions that speak to their you know, behavioral predilections. Uh, And, you know, made this amazing chart of, um, you know, like an array of like, here are the issues and over here are all of the problems that they have with society or hyper-religiosity, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure if we can, you know, show our uh, our audience this, but I'll just read off. This is very interesting. You know, the the, the rows, like here are some of the issues that people have. Um, You know, it's 
the nuance, like I'm not anti-vax, I'm just saying, you know, one, I believe some vaccines are important, but not all. Um, I'm concerned we are giving our children too many vaccines at a time. Um, I think vaccines are more dangerous than people say, and uh, they may be afraid to admit it. I'm scared of the ingredients in common vaccines. Um, I worry that vaccines make my child sick. That my 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 child sick. Um, I would rather wait and see how everyone else does first. So, like, you know, those are like really legitimate questions. Yeah. Right. You know, the subtlety of the vaccine resistant position, but then he maps them over to well, you know, people who are concrete thinkers. That particular question resonates more with them. And then he comes up with, you know, through this research, what is the proper way to address each kind of person in terms of what is their, you know, uh, their biases, if you will, and what is the issue they have? Yeah. What I'm trying to make here is that they're pathologizing the anti-vax position, yeah. right? They're like, they believe this is like a disease that they can treat with the proper messaging. Um and we had a very long discussion afterwards and, um, you know, and I was like, so yeah, this is very, very interesting research. I, it is actually very interesting research because it gives us an idea of how they're thinking. Yeah. And, and I said, so, uh, Christopher, like, like, how would you address someone who said, look, the, 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 the trials demonstrated, um, that there was malfeasance and, um, we are, uh, uh, having a, a huge problem with observational data because of confounding variables in, in populations that have been vaccinated and unvaccinated and an enormous rise in adverse events reporting. And he's like, oh, you know, that, that's the concrete thinker. You know, that's their position. It's like, no, their position is about the data. You know, yeah. that sort of like, whoa, yeah. you know, it, it's always some sort of like. There's no point in addressing the actual, you know, sentiment that is being shared. It's just how can we categorize these people? And, and you know, I've, I've read uh, probably 20 to 30 different papers that are looking at the, the psychology of a quote unquote conspiracy theorist, right? There's mm -hmm. literally hundreds of papers out there. And the one commonality between them is very much what is seen in this sort of psychological examination as well, which is interestingly enough, this study was funded by, uh, by Merck, but, uh, you know, yeah. but it's like, what you notice is that, um, there is always this, we can't believe that people are asking questions about government, that they don't trust government, that they want to, to overturn things, or they want to change things, that they have these interesting questions. They're not just believing in authority. There must be something wrong with them. That is the always the position and, and the, the the explanations that they provide. Well, you know, they just want everything to be concrete or they uncomfortable with ambiguity, whatever. It's like you could take any of those explanations and flip it over to the opposing side and they would fit as well, right? Like mm -hmm. I could easily make the exact same arguments about the people that are super for Provax that, um, you know, believe everything the government says, like you're afraid of questioning your government. You're afraid that, you know, the solid foundation of you believe everything your government says, you're afraid of that coming out from under you, right? Like you could make the arguments and yet only, you know, that side believes that it's, it's like that, um, you know, in terms of the way that they present it. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Well said. Um, <clears throat> the, 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 in that particular meeting, I phrased it like this. I said, look, for, for someone who doesn't, who doesn't understand the science and doesn't know what to believe, they look 
at the two sides arguing here as as mirror images of each other. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Did we talk about it last time? We did. Yeah, um, we did. Yeah. So like th- they both they both are saying that the other side is gullible, mm-hmm. that they're listening to the wrong information. And because they're doing that, they're harming people. That's yeah. how they view both sides. But listen, you know, um, one side is saying, can we talk about it? Can we like come together and, yeah. you know, find out where we disagree and maybe we can help each other? And the other side is saying, whoa, no, 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 no. You don't get to say anything. Only yeah. we yeah. get to. How do you think those people are going to choose? Do you really think yeah. they're going to go with the ones that say, no, we should not have any kind of argument? That's why it's like, bring on the, the, the experts. But, you yeah. know, to them, it's a danger. And mm-hmm. that's why they're failing. That You know, that's the way I'm trying to get people inside yeah. of this um, sphere to notice that they're probably uh, on a um, – on a fool's mission to try to convert everybody if they don't want to engage them. Yeah, their 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 position is just the right messaging, the right thing. Or if we could, you know, help fix the cognitive behavioral patterns of these people, then we'll get through to them and they'll get the vaccine. As opposed to, you're you're still failing to answer their very good questions. Yeah. Is, is essentially what what it's all about. That's yeah. what it's all about. I mean, that's who's left in, yeah. in, in, in many sure. ways. You know, they're independent of how much they know about the data. They now are hearing the voices of reason. Yeah. that you know that that are credentialed and are qualified to speak on it so they yeah. have a basis now and to be fair i know a lot of people who are vaccinated i can speak to at least anecdotally here in canada that i've spoken to that are fully vaccinated um that, that have said i will not get another one um and it's because as time has gone on and they've seen that the certainty that the you know the mainstream pushed did not match the reality, um, now they're significantly more hesitant. And so even this concept they have of like, well, there's only this small group of hesitant people. What I think at this point, the hesitancy is much greater than it was, you know, before, because now even the people who are fully vaccinated are hesitant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and yes, and they, in this particular large group of people who have a lot of skin in the game, their attitude is like, oh, and this is kind of concerning. Like, well, it's the perceived threat is so much lower now. That's why they're not mm. getting vaccinated, which is a little scary. You know, I don't know what they're pretending. <laughs> they that. seem out of touch. That's the that's the interesting piece to it, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if that's their solution to generate fear, we have to be keep our eyes open. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to predict anything, but you know, that's in their minds. For sure. Like I believe that in in this large group of people um, at the conference. A lot of them, you know, are not um, doctors. They're not seeing patients. A lot of them are just, uh, you know, tech industry people who do their stuff and they were brought in to uh, do their exhibits to bring in more business uh, and and network with other people. And then there are the the people that are on top of them who are doing the research, let's say. Yeah. Uh, And they're doing it, um, they're, they're doing it with, with with conscientiousness they they think that they're doing the right thing i think there's only a very very few people that were there that understand the ambiguity and the lack of certainty but continue to drive it home that they're certain that these products are very safe and effective and that that's what i'd like to talk about next because um one of the people in the middle is this this uh professor katie atwell um from from western australia now she um and a couple of times, she was always the one that as soon as I said, let's engage with the other side, she would stand up and say, well, in my research, it's better not to engage. So I finally was able to uh, confront her uh, face-to-face. 
and you know, I I took some lessons from you, Joe. You've asked me so, what, what was her body language like? You know, yeah. what was it like? And uh, so I was noticing at this time, and she was flummoxed. Um, she wanted Good to like word. put it up, like, oh, is it you again? And um, can you hold on a second? I want to talk to this other person before they leave. And I was I waited there patiently. Um, and then finally, she said, okay, look, can you just walk with me? I want to get a cup of coffee. I'm like, okay, I'll walk with you. And, you know, she started walking at like, you know, one of these speed walkers, you know, just like cruising down the <laughs> the esplanade. And I was keeping up with her and she was saying hi to people, like looking around. And I'm saying, look, Katie, you know, I understand. You, you, you're smart enough to know that I'm a skeptic. You know, I didn't. I didn't say that I'm a you know anti-vax. I'm saying I, I'm I'm a skeptic. And she's like, Yeah, I know. And I said, Look, this is this is what's on the line here, because if you blow this this time um, with the with with the messaging that you want to to come up with, this mRNA platform may be an amazing way to make vaccines quickly. I don't think we're, we're doing. We're make, I don't think we're making effective or safe vaccines with it yet, but this could be the way. But you're blowing all of your your credibility if you don't address the questions because next time, when there is a next time, and it sounds like you guys are pretty sure there'll be a next time, it could, it could be a, even a more uh, um, virulent pathogenic virus, and you may have a better vaccine, but no one's going to take it. What's good? What's the point yeah. of making an amazing vaccine if no one's going to let you inject it, right? Isn't it time that we actually, like, it's not just getting this vaccine into people. It's like, what about the future? What about the billions of dollars that you're going to lose if you don't address the question now? And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. And then, um, and then I said, look, um, we have to um, – are you aware of the problems with the Pfizer trial? She said, yeah, I heard something, but no, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with it. And I said, so what are you, what are you familiar with exactly? She said, well, in Australia – we have the highest uptake, one of the highest uptakes, and and we did better than you. You know that's why we did better. And I said, well, what about all of the countries that had low uptake that did better than you? Are there some like that? I'm just, yeah, of course. You know, like you know, Africa and you know, Asian countries. You know, there's a lot of countries like that. And you know, that was just like, whoa, I didn't realize that. Um, and her point was, look, the the difference, and she was basically saying. In your country, I wish I could do an Australian accent. Um, the uh, you're still allowing medical and um, uh, religious exemptions. Yeah, but we don't do that in Australia. Like yeah. unless there is a a clear, specific medical exemption, you must get vaccinated in Australia. And I was like, look, that's not the case here. You can't get a doctor to write you a religious exemption here. I mean, me, you know, there's maybe a handful. But notice, like you understand that the only way to get a medical exemption in this country is uh, you have to say that the person is allergic to a component that is in the vaccine. Hmm. And if you can't prove that, then, you know, the boards come after you and say, well, that's not a, a legitimate um, medical exemption. What's in the vaccine? Like, how do yeah. you know? Like, can you, where's the list of ingredients? You know, you see that actually this whole argument you're using is pointless because it, it doesn't matter. 
we're not actually writing all of these medical exemptions. That is not why people are not getting vaccinated in this country. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, no response from her at all. And each time she kept saying, oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But uh, finally, I um, I let her, uh, you know, enjoy her coffee without me, you know, uh, barking at her. Um, but, you know, when I went home, I, I looked her up and she was the one that's saying, oh, my goodness, you know, the um, – the anti-vax uh, movement has, uh, in 2021, had $4 million of donations, and now it's up to $20 million. And I was like, how can you possibly say that? Look where you're sitting, you know? This, yeah. this like we spent, I'm sure you guys spent tens of millions of dollars to put this thing on. Yeah. And by the way, there was no free coffee or food. Um, oh, come on. Yes, no, no, no free baristas uh, there. And if you look at her funding, uh, she has gotten about $2 million of funding herself from uh, Australian governments uh, that are looking to, you know, increase uptake. Basically, that's her, that's her research. Like, how do you get vaccine uptake uh, increased? Yeah. yeah and it, it's, I mean, I think this is like super provisional, but I'm just kind of looking at just for the sake of it while you're talking, it's, it seems like in 2022, Australia had some, uh, some, some, quite a rise in all-cause mortality that, that seems a little bit off off the off the normal, I guess, path, you could say. Yeah. Um, almost makes me wonder, like, their massive vaccine uptake. I mean, why would they have such these rises? And what do you mean you did better? I don't know. There's some interesting – this is very preliminary. I haven't looked into it deep enough, but I just decided to look at a couple graphs, and it seems a little odd. Yeah. Well, you know, like, yes, there's – oddities there that are not easily explained you know you could go mm -hmm. the well that it's better than in other countries and it's because of our uptake but you cannot say well do you think it's potentially from your high uptake of vaccines that that all-cause mortality has increased now and you know their answer is like of course not because we know that they're safe it must right. be from long covid you yeah. know that's the go-to or it must have been from the lockdowns in i believe they had lockdowns in australia if i'm not mistaken yeah, um, you know, like real lockdowns. Um, anyway, uh, so that was the the Katie Atwell. Um, the the next thing that I want to talk to you about is a um, an exchange I had with Ofer Levy, who was another big person in the uh, FDA advisory committee, and he is a uh, professor of uh, uh, pediatrics and um, I think uh, infectious diseases at Harvard. And has been a big voice in the um, in the regulatory sphere as a scientist and physician. And this particular panel, the um, the topic was how do we find markers for um, for uh, protection? Yeah. Uh, right. And the, the idea here is like, can we can we measure something in a person we vaccinated to give us some confidence that they will in fact be able to protect themselves against severe outcomes or hospitalization, death. We don't have that. Like he admits that we don't have that. Yeah. The big um, um, hypocrisy is that's what we're using to, um, to authorize the bivalent booster. Yeah. That is what we're using to authorize the pediatric formulation of the primary series. It wasn't outcomes at all. It was yeah. like, oh, they have um, 
they have a large number of antibodies after we gave them the vaccine. So it must be working. But yeah. the his own panel has come forward over a year ago saying that's not good enough. We need something better. But nevertheless, that's what we're doing. And we're continuing to do that. So I, I like what he's saying. He's like, well, we need to be able to, you know, find some some way to, to you know, molecularly demonstrate that it works without actually demonstrating that it works. Yeah. Um, and so I said to him, look, I, I get it. Um, good for you. But why not, um, while you're, you know, testing your, your theory that this particular marker or that marker is a surrogate for protection, why not conduct the trials that also look at outcomes as well as, you know, the surrogate? So you can, you can prove that it works mm -hmm. because the people in my community know that, you know, there are no outcome data. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this is what this is what happened next. Um, he said, well, um, yeah, I wish we could do that. Um, but the, the in order to detect a signal, in other words, in order to detect a difference between the vaccinated and unvaccinated, you would need a very, very large study. Yeah. Why? It's because the signal is so small. So, you know, he is basically saying the vaccines barely give you any benefit in terms of outcomes. Yeah. In order to prove it, you need to do a huge study. Yeah. And then I and then, you know, I had to go back to the mic and say, if the signal is so small, why are you mandating it? Why are you pushing so hard to give this? And that's when um, the moderator of that... Uh, that panel, Jennifer Margaret Harries, who is the um, the director of the uh, UK Health, um, what is it, Health Surveillance uh, Security Agency, stepped in and said, "Okay, well, you know, now we're getting off track here. Next question." It's like, yeah. "Well, shut it down." Shut it down. Yeah. Then again, people around me, I sat down. They're like, "Yeah, that's a really good question." Like I had people come up to me outside yeah. saying, "Yeah, you know, I really appreciate your question, and I don't think it got answered." It feels, so, it feels again like the, the political arm shutting down the academic arm. The academic arm sees they're smart enough. They can see that this doesn't make any sense, are willing to talk about it. But then the political arm comes in and says, no, you know, let's, let's not go there. So it's almost like they also have different, uh, different agendas. I mean, that technically by job description they do, but, um, but that's interesting because, mm -hmm. you know, we hear from the political side, we're following the science. It's like, well, clearly you're not, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, it's exactly right. Um, one little thing here. I know we have a, a sequence that we're going to go through, but I actually sat through another uh, interesting – this was a purely scientific um, presentation. It was someone that worked for – I think it's called the NCI. It's a group within the NIH. It's got funding from the National Cancer, Cancer Institute. Um, and they were looking at uh, how do you design a better lipid nanoparticle, hmm. right? Um, and here's something that doesn't get talked about very often, but this person was saying, oh, absolutely. Like if you put the right kinds of um, nanoparticles on the lipid uh, uh, bubble, the lipid nanoparticle, you can uh, generate a greater immune response, like a cytokine response. Now, this is interesting. This is basically they're using the lipid um, bilayer as an adjuvant. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in case your audience doesn't understand, like vaccines, if you just 
put the virus in there or whatever you're putting in there, it, it doesn't give you immunity because your body's like blowing it off. It's like, I, you know, it's not good enough for me to mount a real response. So over the years, you know, we've been using like thimerosal and aluminum and stuff that's very, very toxic to get the body excited about this, right? Um, but she's saying that, you know, you can use the lipid uh, nanoparticle, which encapsulates the mRNA, to give you the um, the response that you're looking for, depending on how you design it. So that's a big part of this. And it's also potentially why people get symptoms very, very quickly after getting injected, because the stuff yeah. is toxic and it goes into a lot of places. It's not necessarily the spike protein. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. So she finished her presentation and then I talked to her specifically and I said, do you know uh, about modulating these lipid nanoparticles with your uh, you know, small nanoparticles that you attach to it, how does it affect where this um, stuff goes in your body? Yeah. And she said, well, you know, it, it mainly goes to the liver and spleen. And I said, what about the brain? Have you looked at that? Because it's really good if you're delivering you know, chemotherapeutic agents to the brain, but you don't want to send your vaccines to the brain, right? Yeah. And she said, oh yeah, we don't know. It, there's a lot of research. <laughs> she said, yes, there's, it, there's an effect and we don't know what it is. Right. So, so this whole time when people were saying, Hey, we don't know where the vaccine's going to end up versus the, you know, the idea that, Hey, it's just going to stay at the injection site. Um, right. you know, from the industry, are you saying that at least that person within the industry who's, who's done the research has said, yes, we don't know. Well, I, she's, I don't think she's within the industry. She is, she's a researcher that's uh, publicly funded. In other words, you know, part of the government and they also, you know, collaborate with industry. But she is a hardcore researcher. You know, she's not right. setting policy. She's not being a spokesperson for the vaccine industry. She's just saying that the, the science says that we don't know enough. We don't know. Right. We don't know, not like where it goes, but how what we do to the lipid nanoparticle will um, affect how much of it goes through the blood-brain barrier. Right. Um, so uh, I, I thought that was an interesting point. And then um, – my uh, colleague who was there, uh, Dr. Liz Mumper, who is a uh, pediatrician, um, really smart, she was able to um, pose the very last question of the entire symposium. Once again, it was a plenary a meeting where everyone got together. Uh, Greg Poland was, um, was moderating it. And right before, what caused her to ask the question and this was a um, a question that came up from a statement that was being made by one of the researchers about um, oh, oh, predicting predicting the durability of the vaccine. Like, mm -hmm. what? How do? How can we tell how long this thing is going to last? Because you know, durability. Um, you, you start telling people that this thing is only going to last six months. Or or five months or four months, now you don't have uptake anymore. So we want to make a more durable vaccine. Is there a way to um, to make that? And this person was saying, well, you know, he, he sort of, he um, veered from the topic and he noticed that uh, in early 2020, um, they were following babies who got sick with COVID, like when they were very, very young and followed them for two or three years. And what they found was that they had amazing, amazing resistance to COVID three years later, like yeah. better than most age groups. And, you know, we have to understand why, you know, why could that be? 
I wonder, you know, maybe they're not, it brought, brought up a lot of questions, you know, something to look at to make more durable vaccines, perhaps. And so uh, Dr. Mumper took the microphone and said, you know, I'm a pediatrician and um, I would like to know um, why we should be, given the fact that the survival rate for children is 99.997%, and we have no idea what the danger of this vaccine is in the long term. And they have incredible immunity if they get sick. How am I supposed to tell a mother to get vaccinated? What would be the, uh, the rationale? And the first thing that was said was, I don't know. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. Then the next person was like, oh, wait, wait a minute, look. You know, doctor, you're you're somehow saying that it's better to get COVID-19 than get vaccinated. But we don't know what the long-term sequelae is of a COVID-19 infection. So, you know, there you are. And end of end, end, end of the symposium. That's when Poland jumped in and we went on. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's basically saying that you don't know what the long-term side effects of the vaccine are either. So that you didn't ask the question at all. Right, right. You know, once again, the thrust of a very, very um, important question was completely Shut ignored. Down. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 fascinating. Again, because I would love to just hear, you know, instead of having to guess, like what would his response actually be if she got a chance to just say, "Yeah, but but you also don't know the long term consequence of the vaccine, so why are we doing this?" Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and just yeah. to hear what they would say, even if he had a reasonable answer. Um, even if it was as simple as, oh, well, we have greater faith in the vaccine, you know, like whatever, but, yeah. you know, to just not answer the questions is, is, is troublesome. It is very troublesome and they've been able to avoid it because, you know, when, when they get interviewed, they don't get questions like this. Right. They never do. They're just, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, we're just a small group of people trying to go in there and, and probe them a little bit and they don't have good responses. That's why they don't get asked these questions in front of a camera that uh, is is feeding 10 million, um, you know, TV screens. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a, a little bit speechless. I think I've, I've said you know, all I can really say on this. I mean, it's, it's a, it, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys did this. I, I'm very curious to see if, um, uh, who knows, maybe, maybe we start seeing a little bit of a, of a, of a change in the way some folks are, are brought to the table to actually, um, maybe debate or maybe discuss some of these issues. You know, maybe somebody thinks that what you brought up was a good idea and somehow it, it gets passed around. You know, yes, we need to engage the other side in, in legitimate debate, um, you know, or we'll see what happens. But, I, you know, appreciate what you guys did. I think this is a really important exercise and not only seeing what's going on inside, you know, the industry where it's just pretty much industry people, um, yeah. but also, you know, to be able to put a, you know, put a, a seed, plant a seed in their minds and see what happens. That's, that's, uh, that's the hope, you know, uh, and look, I, I want to uh, sh- shout out to Children's Health Defense. Um, they're, they're the ones that uh, funded the, the quite expensive ticket to get in for four mm-hmm. days. And, um, you know, they, they took care of me. Um, so I, I hope your audience will go check out uh, what we're doing over there. I intend to have um, uh, something on the Defender that summarizes this in, in much more detail. Uh, and hopefully do a couple of presentations over there with Dr. Mumper, but, um, uh, you know, kudos to them and their fight 
It, it, oh, it's very interesting because um, there was a couple of representatives from CHD outside handing out flyers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I met up with them for dinner afterwards. And they had some interesting uh, interesting stories to tell. Um, one had to do, you know, they're handing out Ed Dowd's book, uh, which is called Died Suddenly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and flyers that had information, like data about like what we actually know. And they said they were able to hand out everything they had, like hundreds of flyers. I don't know if they're going to be read, but we have a picture of, of uh, one of our um, folks giving Peter Hotez, who is po- possibly the, the, you know, the biggest parrot of this orthodoxy, a book. And he's like, you know, he's taking it. But then a bunch of the security people came over and said, no, 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 he doesn't want that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we had a, uh, a van uh, that has like a, it, it's like a billboard van, you know, that has like, mm-hmm. um, like uh, generated images on, on three sides from Children's Health Defense driving around the conference center, like <laughs> putting up pictures of, you know, uh, be a defender and images of Maddie DeGary and, you know, yeah. protect your kids. So, you know, you, you got to hand it to this organization. Um, I'm, I'm really proud to be able to uh, participate for them. Nice. Nice. And I mean, can you share the last anecdote that we didn't get to about the, I mean, you explain it, but, but it is anecdote yeah. at this point. Well, um, the, the reason why I bring it up is at the very end, um, Greg Poland said something like, well, we all know that, um, you know, I, I mean, everyone in this room has been vaccinated. I mean, I think so. Right. You know, just another assumption. And I found out that one of our, um, colleagues outside that was handing out flyers uh, talked to a researcher. I'm not going to say whom, I'm not going to say which organization. And that person said, oh yeah, half the the people, half the people in her never got the job. In her company. In her company. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, I got (laughs) to, really? I mean, you know, I mean, that's another interesting point here because like how, like, what really is the vaccine uptake? You know, yeah. I'm certain that it's being um, exaggerated. There are people out there that, are, that, you know, are saying they're vaccinated, but they're not. And quite frankly, I would be shocked if all of those people with all of those degrees and all of that money haven't actually looked at the data and they just willingly rolled up their sleeves and got this thing. I mean, that would be a, a sorry state of affairs for science. Yeah. There must be dissenters. So that's encouraging. You know, maybe this person will uh, come forward later and confirm things things about is it true or is she also, you know, making things up. I don't know. This is just anecdotal. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's all. Uh, we'll find out what happens. If you if you guys didn't watch the first part to this, be sure to go back and, and check it out. Um, and, you know, Madhava, thanks again for not only coming on and sharing what you're sharing, but but doing the work that you're doing. Oh, you're welcome, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everyone, for checking in. And uh, again, uh, tell us how we could do this better. Please check out Children's Health Defense. Um, I've got a lot of my, um, my content there as well.